Welcome to the You Don't Own the Lake podcast. My name is Brian Andreka, owner and full-time fishing guide of Kansas Angling Experience Guide Service. Join me here once a week as well as on the YouTube channel with special guests to discuss a wide variety of topics in the fishing world from Kansas fishing to baits to presentations, boats, electronics, and just general all-around talking. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and hope you enjoy the episode. All right, ready, set, let's go. Let's do this. Excited to kick off the very first, uh, we'll call this kind of like a pilot episode of the You Don't Own the Lake podcast. Uh, Just want to get all the audio dialed in, get an episode out, see how things sound. So I figured that maybe for this very first one, I'd just do a little introduction of myself. If you guys are not familiar with who I am or what I do, and then uh, get into talking about some spring fishing because we're now into the first week of March. Things are getting warmer, water's getting warmer, fish are changing, Uh, we're getting out of that winter pattern, so thought that would be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about what we're doing in the boat on a daily basis as well. So kind of kick things off here and just give a little bit of background on myself. Um, My name is Brian Andreka. I've been in the state of Kansas since the year 2000. Uh, We moved down here from a small suburb of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're definitely kind of a culture shock moving down, uh, especially when I was in just starting sixth grade, but more of a culture shock seeing the Kansas reservoirs coming from obviously all the natural lakes up in the North country. So we've been down here now for what, 23 years. Yeah. Knocking on 23 years or so. Um, always been fishing. I mean, that's, uh, kind of obviously a way of life when you live in the North country up there. My dad got me started and there was not an opportunity that I was going to miss to go fishing with my dad. So that uh, started at a very, very early age that I got the bug and then have obviously kept up with it ever since. Kind of got maybe away from fishing a little more like in my teenage years. Um, uh, I guess even to give a little bit more background on myself, I have been skateboarding for probably the past gosh now i mean we're get we're definitely knocking on like 20 years but that's something that i also stepped away from uh probably seven or eight years ago when i started getting way more into fishing especially when i started guiding and whatnot but that's kind of that was kind of my background and then um the the core fishing kind of came back to me um like i said maybe 10 15 years ago something like that where i started to get way more into it and um And the rest is history, but we'll kind of get more into that. But I guess as far as a career background before I started guiding full time, um, I've always been kind of a computer nerd in that respect. So I've been doing IT for a very long time, Um, worked my way up, um, just kind of general director of IT positions or help desk or software support and stuff like that. And then I started working at the University of Kansas uh, help desk. I, I don't even remember what year it was now, but um, that is where I was when I left my cushy full-time job um, to work for a good friend, Ben Milliken, Milliken Fishing. I'm sure a lot of you guys are very well aware of who he is now, especially since he's been down in Texas just crushing double-digit largemouth, but he was still living in Omaha at the time, needed some help with his blossoming YouTube channel as far as filming and editing since all his main focus was, was going out to get content. So, uh, we worked out a deal and I left my cushy benefit, benefited, uh, full-time gig at KU and IT to work for him. 
And I did that for about eight or nine months and we parted ways. And that's when I decided to just take guiding full time. So uh, to kind of maybe even go farther back than that, I started Kansas Angling Experience Guide Service in July of 2015. And um, I mean, I remember the day that I started the Facebook page, I was sitting at my software support job that I had at the time with a Facebook page already made and my my best friend that uh, that's who I actually met him through that job best friend all the way through Charles Turner had said he's like you should just do it just put the put the page out there and see what happens and slowly but surely on a you know weekend only and uh, evenings in the summertime after I got off of work slowly but surely the clients started coming in and here we are uh, eight years later. This is going to be my f- uh, eighth full year as a fishing guide and full-time since 2019. We're running anywhere between 280 to 300 trips a year, definitely at least on the water, 300 plus days a year. So kind of feel like I have a pretty good idea of uh, what's going on in the lake from any point in time. But that's kind of the uh, the backstory of myself. Um I kind of definitely teeter on that line of passion and obsession as it comes to fishing and stuff. Um, all facets of it, especially the electronics, live scope, um, huge fishing rod, fishing reel, nerd, huge bait nerd. We could sit here and talk about spinning rods for the next three hours, but those are just kind of some of the things that I enjoy. Um, so that pretty much will cover it for for myself, but. Like I said, uh, kind of in the beginning, um, we were finally, finally, finally getting out of the wintertime stuff. Um, for me down here in Kansas, um, that mid-December to late December, January and February is all crappie fishing. I have very few other consistent patterns. Um, and I mean, those crappies here in the wintertime when the water gets cold are about as dumb and as hungry as they could be. And it's an extremely fun trip, especially for people uh, who enjoy live scope. But for me, who is definitely more of a game fish guy, you know, walleyes, smallmouth, hybrids, uh, maybe white bass, whatever. Um, I, I cannot wait for winter time to be over because <laughs> I get so incredibly tired of cleaning crappies. Um, Cause you know, people, it's pretty rare that people go on a catch and release crappie trip but uh, have always looking forward to March when we can start getting into the fish that pull a lot harder and are a lot uh, a lot more difficult to catch than the crappies when the when the water's cold. So we're in that first week of March. Water temps are coming up. Uh, when I was out yesterday, I think back where we were fishing, uh, way off the main lake, kind of up the main feeder creek arm, we were seeing 46, 47 degree temperatures, and I'm sure it just probably got warmer the farther back that you went, whereas the main lake is still like 40, 41. So just got to get out of these cold nights yet. Um, you know, it's like when we get those nights where it's a consistent, like 50 degrees overnight, I think that's when things start to become really, really money, especially as it pertains to these fish that are going to start thinking about looking for a prom date here for the spawn, the walleyes, especially they're going to be the first here in the next few weeks, especially once we hit the the next full moon, probably that we'll see a push of fish move up to the dam, um, with the saugers. And then after that, the, uh, largemouth, smallmouth and the crappies, as we get closer to kind of the end of April, beginning of May, mother's day ish timeframe. So 
definitely a very exciting time of year. Um, ever changing for sure. Um, some for the some for the better, some for the worst. <clears throat> and so that's kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about as well. Just some adversity that I have to deal with on a daily or weekly basis in the spring, uh, living in the Midwest, which a lot of it is, is weather driven. So that's, uh, that's what I want to talk about right now. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because I was just looking at the forecast this morning for the rest of my week, um, for the rest of my guide trips. And we've got three or four days worth of rain, uh, or at least rain chances. And that's definitely a huge factor in the spring as it pertains to the water quality especially in these reservoirs where, you know, they're letting water out, um, which they are right now, um, at a few of the local lakes here, drawing the lakes down even more than they already are. Cause I mean, everybody's pretty much been in a drought and a lot of areas in the country, uh, have extremely low water, but they're letting more water out of the lakes, um, to account for potential spring rain. So we don't get flooded out like we did three years ago. That was brutal. Summer of 2019, six months, couldn't get on the lake, 25 feet high, pretty much all across the board in the state. So things were tough, but um, we definitely need the moisture. But with all that rain um, comes a lot of dirty water. Uh, March can be a really weird month for cold fronts too. I mean, yesterday it was like 75, 76 degrees in the afternoon where, you know, maybe later this week or next week, we could be back in the twenties or the thirties and get snow. So there's a lot of up and down factors to consider, but definitely more, more the, uh, water clarity where, like I said, we've been this last week here kind of following the, the white bass and the hybrids or wipers or whatever, whatever your flavor is to call them, um, back to the river. Cause those whites are going to run up the river to do their thing. And even though wipers are sterile and they don't spawn, they'll still th- go through kind of a false spawn and a lot of the population of those hybrids will run up the river to to try and do their thing. So that's uh, it's been really fun. But the water back there is like chocolate milk. Thankfully, it's warm. It's not super cold. But um, that's just kind of where we're at right now. So I'll be anxious to see how the rest of the month goes. But I, a lot of those wipers are just going to start following the shad back out to the main lake too. And then we'll have the, the normal big fish early spring bite uh, that we normally do. So really looking forward to that. But, um, you know, I guess that's always kind of plan a on my guide trips this time of year. And then plan B through Z has, uh, pretty much everything to do with just sniping big crappies up in the timber, you know, whereas a month ago we were still fishing schools of, excuse me, schools of 150 to 200 plus fish, you know, in the river channel. And then, um, that first week of March, I mean, it was like March one, uh, last week that, all those schools have broken up and uh, they're all just moving around, getting ready to prepare for the spawn. So definitely sometimes is not more of a numbers game, but more um, quality over quantity. But those are tough trips for me to to run because, um, you know, you're just kind of fishing one, even though I have two live scopes in the boat, fishing one person at a time, lining them up on a fish and you know, the juice is usually worth the squeeze, but if you really wanted to, you could follow a fish around for 20 or 30 minutes before that fish decided to go. But that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the, what we're doing for March. Um, like I said, just excited to be out of that winter time period because it hasn't been a super bad, not really a super bad winter. I would say, um, I mean, the lake froze 
several times and I broke more ice in the boat than I probably should have to get to the fish. So from now on, I just am, I think I even said it this last December, January, where I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not just not going to be that mad at the fish. We're not going to break ice. And then of course, to just try and accommodate clients, go out there and break ice to get to the fish, but it's, it's always worth it. So anywho, um, I'll just kind of get, kind of get more into maybe the techniques, um, for especially the early season, um, wipers and white bass, you know, which I don't really target walleyes during the spawn. We do see some, especially saugers, a really good pre-spawn bite, but you know, when there's a better chance of maybe catching 40 wipers and white bass or going for, you know, five walleyes or saugers, usually the clients kind of pick the the first one where it's more numbers and, and high action trips. So, uh, early and late season wiper fishing is probably my favorite. Cause that's when we see a lot of the bigger fish, um, when they got a lot of that egg weight on, cause yeah, I wipers will still make eggs. So they get a, the egg weight plus, you know, they've, the water's warming up their metabolism getting, getting higher and higher and, uh, they're feeding a lot more. Whereas in the summertime, their metabolism is so high and the water's so warm that they're just burning off all their weight. So that's why I like the early and the late season stuff, see a lot more big fish and, um, obviously hopefully less boats on the lake too. So that's always a bonus, but usually the main thing for me in this, uh, kind of spring transitional early season period is just all about the river channels. Like I was kind of explaining before how we're catching those fish right now is something that I've never really decided to do in the past before, which is, you know, chase them basically almost all the way up to the river is following the river channel through the timber and stuff. But that's, uh, that's what we're doing. And I love the river channel. I love deep fishing for them. It's all a live scope bite. We're not blind casting to these fish like we do when they're really stacked up. They're in transition from point A to point B in the river channel, which is like a highway. And we're just picking them off as they come through. And it's not just the wipers. The river channel sees so much life um, at all times of the year, but this time of the year, especially, um, that early spring and late fall period where they're putting the feed bags on and they're just cruising around. Um, cause in the late fall period, that's when we see a lot of those, those big walleyes, just like last year had probably the most fun, um, that we've ever had with a, a late fall walleye bite all the way up till the, the, when was it like the week before Christmas, I think before we had our first cold spark water temps dip below 38 and then that bike kind of quit. But anyway, um, back to the technique. So in the river channel that it mean, I like to try and keep things as simple as possible and it's really tough to beat just a, a jig and a plastic as it pertains to fishing deep, especially vertical. Um, so three, you know, we're talking like a three, a ounce jig head, even half, you know, if you had big wind, you know, just the fish, I don't think really care how big the jig head is, as long as you can get that bait down to them super fast. And that's what I'm all about, especially when you only have one, one shot at, you know, a big fish as they're cruising through, that's not necessarily going to be just one fish, but that will get that down to the fish super quick. But I always gravitate towards going just a little bit on the smaller side. As far as the plastics go, I, my, my good buddy, Jeremy Conway, right here in Lawrence runs swing him in bait co, um, on the side that has really taken off for him these last couple of years, but he makes all of our paddle tail swim baits, all of our straight tail plastics. Um, the, the battle shed, which is a, 
two and three quarter inch bait, maybe a three. I don't remember, but it's just a, a tough straight tail plastic. You can just put on a jig head and fish it as slow as fast as you want straight up and down. You can cast it, drag it along, but, uh, on live scope, I really do just like fishing a jig in that, uh, that battle shed. So Plus, I mean, I, I used to be a big jigging wrap guy, which, you know, at times I definitely still can be, but that thing's got a lot of hooks on it. And when we're dealing with uh, what crazy wipers and white bass, sometimes the less hooks, the better. So that's why I definitely prefer that, uh, that jig in a plastic, jig in a minna. Can't beat it. I'm going to take a drink of my drink here. So that's technique number one. Otherwise, if those fish, for whatever reason, get out of the channel. They may slide up on an adjacent flat, you know, on a channel bin, which is kind of like how we were catching the walleyes last fall. Then you can kind of use live scope to line yourself up where those fish are sitting, right? You know, typically right on the edge of the river channel. You don't even have to watch the screen. You can just put on same kind of three, a sounds jig, maybe a, maybe a quarter. If the water's still cold yet, you got to just kind of gauge the mood of the fish, but I like to have bottom contact when they're sitting down there. And just a paddle tail swim bait, slow roll it along and uh, just wait for a thump and then hold on tight. But those are kind of the two, the main techniques. Um, I'd say here probably in the next week, as far as techniques go, we're going to throw some shallow trolling in as well. Um, usually we see a pretty good early season sauger bite um, kind of in this like first, second week of March before they start making their way up to... Uh, to go through the motion, the spawning motions too. So as, I mean, I love trolling. I mean, it's not like my absolute favorite thing to do, but, um, when those big saugers get scattered out on the mud flats and stuff, that's the best way to catch them. Unless you want to set up a drift like we would in green Bay and, and cast pitch plastics or something, but small, like number five size flicker shads or little tiny salmo hornets. Um, I mean, that's kind of the general rule of thumb earlier in the year, especially with colder water, size your baits down a little bit. And then as things start to warm up, then you can kind of beef those baits up. But I always still kind of just err on the side of fishing a little bit smaller stuff. Cause these fish here in the Northeast part of Kansas are just so pressured anymore. They've seen every fire tiger flicker shed and jig and night crawler in existence and bottom bouncer situation. So sometimes you just got to be a little bit sneakier, but that kind of covers the gambit of uh, what we're looking forward to here in this March period. So I don't really think there's too much that I really want to talk about as far as March goes. But again, that's the one, the hardest part I think about the March and maybe even into, you know, like mid April timeframe is just trying to play the weather. Cause like I said earlier in the podcast here yesterday, I think our high for the afternoon, I, I saw like 76 degrees and I mean, it's pretty tough for the temperature to be, you know, 75 or 76, or I mean, really anything over 60 in Kansas without a huge wind. So yesterday, yeah, the South wind was blowing 18 to 20 miles an hour, blowing all that warm air in. And I'm obviously not scared to, uh, to fish in a little wind, but I like a, a more consistent pattern instead of going one day nice and calm next day big win then back to calm because that doesn't do any favors for the fish either like uh, some consistent win but 
That coupled with the rain, we're going to get a lot of rain. It's going to dirty up the water. The lake's going to come up. They're going to start letting water out, which when they let water out of the dam on a reservoir, we typically tend to see maybe a little bit tougher bite sometimes, depending on what you're fishing for. Crappies especially can be really tough when they start pulling water. Um, wipers and white bass, I don't think really care all that much because they're kind of more or less drawn to some sort of current in the lake. So I don't find that to be as big of a deal, but yesterday we did see uh, kind of a tougher bite with those fish because the day before they'd started letting water out. And um, that first day that they started letting water out, the bite was still great. Day after that, I think that kind of caught up with the fish and they got a little bit more fussy, but we did have a much better quality bite in the river yesterday um, with that water flowing. So anyway, let me just kind of double back real quick to just the podcast in general. Um, you know, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for you guys to leave feedback because I'm still maybe not too super familiar with kind of how that stuff works on podcasts. You know, if you guys want to hear a certain guest come on the podcast or certain topics, you know, I'll probably do some sort of Facebook uh, poll situation or Instagram, even better yet. Which, by the way, if you guys are not following the Kansas Angling Experience Facebook page and Instagram page, please go and check those out, um, especially the YouTube channel as well. A lot of these podcasts are obviously going to have guests on them, but it's going to be a video podcast as well that'll be on my YouTube channel. So if you guys are not going to be in the car listening, highly encourage you to go to the YouTube channel and subscribe and uh, check out the video podcast as well as my regular fishing content um, when I have the time uh, from off of guiding to make those and stuff. But that's kind of the direction that we're going to go um, as far as all that is concerned. But never really thought the very first podcast that I did would just be me talking to myself um, into my microphone in my office. But I figured that would be a good way to kind of kick things off and um, set the bar for where I want this podcast to go, give you guys some stuff to look forward to. We've already got several guests kind of lined up here in the next couple weeks. I think we're going to be maybe looking at like maybe a once a week kind of situation, maybe once every two weeks, but I would really like it to be once a week and at least um, me do more than one a week so that I can stagger them out for you guys and always have something to listen to. So hope that that, um, that will do it for you because I'm really looking forward to it. I was actually going to be starting this podcast last year. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, Spencer Bauer, River Certified on YouTube. We'll have him on the show too, but uh, always kind of been inspired by his podcast. So talked to him last year and um, with planning a wedding last year, several fishing trips, vacations, whatever, plus my normal insane guide schedule just never got around to it. But now we're really finally kind of into the swing of things at our first little live stream on the YouTube channel um, with all the video. I mean, everything that you guys will see from a pot video podcast perspective. But again, just to kind of test all the the video out, the lighting and all that good stuff. So should be extremely fun. What else here? What else we got planned in the next couple months? Uh, one month exactly from today, I will be up in uh, Green Bay on the West Shore fishing walleyes again. Um, something I do every year, a trip that I really look forward to. If you guys haven't seen the video on the YouTube channel from when I caught my first 30 inch walleye up there a couple years ago, 11 and a quarter pounds. That's a really fun one, but that's the whole reason why we make that trip back up to the homeland is to uh, catch those big pre-spawn walleyes out in the big water. Uh, we'll probably fish Fox River some too. 
I think a lot of the, all the ice on the bay by the time we get up there is going to be long gone. So hopefully it'll set the fish up nice, but we didn't really get to fish the lake too much last year because the ice went out late. By the time we could get on the lake on the big water, the water was still 32. Wasn't a whole ton of fish around. A lot of perch um, on our last day. Though well, that was the best day we had, of course, was our last morning that we were able to fish. Uh, couldn't couldn't stay away from the jumbo perch, which was probably the coolest problem that I've ever had. But my buddy DJ that goes up there with me every year caught a 28 and a half incher. Big walleye. I didn't get a big one last year, but we still caught a pile of fish. But we were stuck in the Fox River for half the time. So that's a trip that I'm really looking forward to here in a month. Um, and then after that, um, if you guys haven't seen the announcement on any of the other socials and stuff too, I was fortunate enough to land a spot on the Lund Pro Staff this year. So I will be selling my Crestliner or at least trading it in for a brand new 2023 Lund Pro V 1875 with a 200 Pro XS Mercury four-stroke V8 on the back. Really, really looking forward to that. Um, Crestliner has been a great boat. I've had it now for a year. Actually, I just saw it on my Facebook the other day pop up that it had been a year this week that was when I picked it up. But it's time to move on to bigger and better things. So that's all going through mid-Kansas Marine out in Hutch. Um, but we should be hopefully taking delivery on that boat by May, maybe early June at the latest. I mean, the that's the thing with the boat industry. Thankfully, the delivery or the the lead times on boats are not what they were, you know, like in 2021, you know, like post COVID guys were waiting over a year for their boats. Some companies may still have crazy wild lead times. And we pushed our build with Lund through, uh, with mid Kansas Marine, like right around Valentine's day. So maybe a three or four month, uh, lead time is it's going to be a long three or four months. So we'll say that, but like I said, hopefully it'll go fast, but that's another big piece of this year that I'm really looking forward to. Thankfully, Mid-Kansas Marine is going to take care of all the rigging. They're going to transfer all my stuff over, all my electronics from the Crestliner to the Lund. Um, what else? I think, yeah, all the lithium batteries too, but everything else is going to stay in the boat. So if you guys are listening to this and you are going to be in the market for a really amazing boat, my Crestliner will be for sale through Mid-Kansas Marine. I'm sure that I'll post it, but uh, definitely don't think that it'll last too long because it's still pristine. It's got less than 400 hours on it. So actually a 2013. So that is the next thing that's on the agenda for the next couple months here. And that fortunately slash unfortunately is going to be right in the heart of um, like prime early summer walleye fishing. But I think I'm just going to borrow. I'll be commandeering my dad's Alumacraft for however long it takes to get the Lund rigged up, everything transferred over from the Crestliner. So should be really fun. But yeah, that's something that we're going to be talking about a lot more on the podcast too, as we kind of progress through the season um, that, you know, spring and early summers talking about walleyes. I'm so excited to have a couple guests on uh, the podcast here so we can talk more in depth about what presentations we use, how we use them, why we catch so many fish. I mean, two words, bottom bouncers, bread and butter, walleye situation, especially, I mean, all over the country, but I mean, it's been around forever, but it's really tough to beat that bottom bouncer bite. Um, it's kind of a the best of both worlds, casting, trolling, where you can still have a rod in your hand, 
it's more hands-on not like trolling crankbaits where you just put your four to six rods spread out and just drive around it's not i'm it's not as simple as i make it sound but that's i mean there's a lot of guys that that's what they do they put out two rods open a beer put their feet up and just drive and wait for a rod to bend over and by some people i mean that's my father (laughs) that's that's his version of trolling maybe we'll get him on the podcast here at some point too old bob so we're kind of knocking on the door of about 30 minutes here um again like i said in the beginning this me talking to myself here with uh no really organized agenda just a couple of things that i had jotted down this is all just a a pilot episode so to speak before we get into the really fun stuff when we get um like on the next episode i'm not going to spoil the surprise who the first guest is going to be but um the people that we have lined up are definitely going to be conversations that you're going to want to listen to so really looking forward to it and i hope you guys are too and i appreciate you if you've uh, kept listening this long i very much appreciate that but we'll keep this one short but again just wanted to kind of introduce myself give my background um, kind of set some expectations for what is going to be going on with this podcast, um, especially as I mentioned before, um, the video podcast side of it, you know, we'll obviously have all the audio available here, just like you guys are listening to it. But if you're not subscribed to the Kansas Angling Experience YouTube channel, please go and subscribe. And uh, that's where all the video podcasts are going to be from there. But uh, other than that, just wanted to kind of line things up for um what's going on in my boat from a fishing guides perspective here for the next month into april a lot of exciting things um especially as we continue to progress on this podcast i will have i'm sure some super good fish stories and stuff to share but it'll be a lot easier when i've got uh, somebody on to kind of fill in any of the dead space instead of me just doing this here all by myself so i will send you guys off um Once again, appreciate everyone listening in, and uh, this will get a lot easier for me as well as it pertains to talking and uh, trying to just keep a consistent schedule and keep a, you know, kind of structured outline for what every podcast should be. So I'm excited to see what the future holds, and uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. And don't forget, you don't own the lake. We'll talk to you next time.